This is a huge episode, folks. It's our 30th birthday, and John and I are together at last, and we're in the club where I'll be filming rollers. Major vibes. I guess we'll do it that way is brought to you by Mama Bear Studios. Mama Bear's mission is to create entertaining works of art that explore our humanity. Okay, here's episode 30. How do we do this when we're sitting in the same room? What do you mean? How do we... I don't, I don't like looking at you. Why? Can we turn in opposite directions? I think you should. It would make it easier for me. I'm turning around as we speak. You got to just get comfortable, Uncle Zay, you know. John, would you describe our surroundings? Uh, we are in a building. looks to be about 100 years old, mm-hmm. although I saw the plaque outside said 1913, I think. Mm. So the building is... 105 years. 105. Soon to be 108. It's a funny mix. It kind of looks... <laughs> That's a- not how math works. <laughs> <laughs> On this show, it is. It's an old building. It has some timbers, and it's. Uh, it looks like a what? What does this building look like? A church? I think it looks like an old... I think it looks like a, a great hall of Rohan, you know? It does have a similar aesthetic to a building at the school we went to, the college we mm-hmm. went to. Covenant College. Yeah. Kind of almost like a Bavarian interior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it's quite Bavarian. You can imagine snow piling up outside. Exactly. But it also has an old church outside. feel. Like the carpet that I'm looking at is like very 1970s, mm-hmm. ugly browns, beautiful ugly browns. The seam of the carpet is covered by duct tape. And right now we're sitting up in a balcony above the stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the stage below us. Mm-hmm. I'll post a photo, of course. I'm looking at the stage below us. We're sitting in what will soon be Rufus's office. Who's Rufus? Rufus is the main character of Rollers, as oh, you know. Oh, so we are in the venue You for didn't Rollers. realize that before oh, now. Oh, I just thought you were taking me into some building to record a podcast. <laughs> some random building. Oh, here we are. John had no idea. Oh, my goodness. That's why you kept talking about people I had no idea who existed. Yeah. People yeah. that were not in You're the You're like, same those names us. sound familiar. You were like, oh, Maddie's going to walk through this door. I thought you were having hallucinations. No one knows who Maddie is, though, because I haven't allowed them to read the script. I didn't know. I'm never going to allow anyone to read the script. I'm going to burn it. I'm going to write a new script. You're going to work on that cheese documentary. <laughs> Time to switch it up. Cheese doc. You could call it Le Fromage. So, so little interest in making a documentary about cheese. It's hard to overstate. We've had some interesting culinary experiences since we've been here, huh? John, would you take about 30 minutes? Let's mm-hmm. do an episode of John and Zay. Eating mm. good food with John and Zay. Bow, bow, bow. Eating good food with John and Zay. Bow, bow, bow. Eating good food with John and Zay. Bow, bow, bow. This jingle sucks. Oh, man, I was really getting into that. I thought change. I just kind of always do the same jingle. I think it's always a version of the same jingle. <laughs> I got to come up with a new one. I don't know if we do. It oh. seems to be working. Eating good food with John and Zay. John, where did we go the other night? John's in Los Angeles, everybody. We're in Los Angeles. Beautiful, sunny Los John's Angeles, California. John's flipping his shit because he loves Los Angeles so Uncle much. Zay has taken me on some epic drives. We have we drove through the hills. We drove through the valleys. We drove over the canyons. We drove under the ocean. We drove into the ocean. We drove a, a boat car. We lost one of our passengers, but we made it out okay. He and I did, at least. Yeah, yeah. We lost a couple cats. Right John off. already has adopted seven cats. There are an abundance of cats here. They all have sweater vests. We're in on. Mark Marin's neighborhood right now. Are we actually? Yeah, this is where he lives. Really? The cat ranch is just up the road. Hmm. You want to go find him? Do you really think that he's like walking down these streets on a daily basis? He talks basis? about Highland Park constantly. Seriously? This is the neighborhood he lives in. Oh, do you act? Have you seen his house? Yeah, I'm hoping we can get him in the movie. No, I haven't no. seen his house. But you could presumably go see it. 
in theory. We could go see it. Yeah, if we knew where it was. I don't know where it is. I'm sure someone's figured it out. You want to do a quick Google search? No, I don't really care. What would you do? Nothing. I would not want to spring him. I wouldn't go to his house. That's weird. Yeah, it's intrusive. I wouldn't want anyone coming to my house uninvited. Hey, I'm a I'm a fan. Hey, hey, it's Mark. Oh yeah, Mark, come on up. Okay, cool. Uh, Mark's here. Uh, what what would you even let's get say? Mark on the mic? People that do this kind of stuff, like you, you hear stories on TV or you read stories about people that break into celebrities' houses. Why? Not to steal their stuff. There is that. Remember that they're gang fucking of, weirdos. Dude. Remember that gang of chicks though? They were called like. Um, the housebreakers or whatever, they were going around to celebrities' houses and breaking into them and stealing their stuff. That's wrong. But do you know what I'm talking about? It's not was... only against the law, that's wrong. Well, it's, you know, it's a Robin Hood-type mentality. Is it, though? Steal from the rich and give to the slightly less rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're selling that stuff to rich people who yeah. want celebrity stuff, who can afford celebrity stuff. And they're not giving it to the poor. They're keeping it Ooh, for themselves. no, they're not giving it to the poor. I have a little bit of a cold. Do you, you still do? Can you not tell? Do I just have a nice deep voice? You sound like you're sick. So you were telling me about some chicks who break into people's houses. Oh, the celebrity ring of housebreakers. Yeah, these girls would look on social media. I think it was girls. Girls mm-hmm. and guys. They'd look on social media. Figure and out where see. they live. Where they live? Mm-hmm. You're, Cal- f- you're saying they figure out where they live. They Celebs. figure out where the celebrities live and follow them on social media. And when they were like, hey, I'm at my house in Malibu. They'd break into their house. I don't like this at all. <laughs> They'd break into their house in the canyons, you know, or in I the hills. I don't like this at all. It's actually kind of a smart idea. You know the person's going to be gone. Yeah, but that's stealing. Yeah, yeah. invasive. Oh, for sure, but it's clever. Well, yeah, so is Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, but it's brutal. In this case, nobody's being harmed. It's just stuff that goes missing. Sure. Okay. Nobody's even getting tied up and put in so a bathtub. So it's kind of like when OJ broke into that uh, that 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 hotel room and took those guys hostage so that he could... Well, he didn't really take them hostage. That's what the judge said. I, didn't he beat this, somebody up, though? I think he did. But when he broke into that hotel room and stole all of his memorabilia back. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Because he was broke. And they gave him a harsh sentence. Very harsh. As punishment... For, for the murder. The murder that he committed. Oh, yeah. Or sorry, sorry. If Allegedly he committed. If he did it. Didn't if, he? He wrote a book called... Well, he says if, he got duped into it. You watched O.J. Made in America, right? He says no. he kind of got duped into signing away his rights, and then they just sort of like exploited it. Signing away the rights to that book? Mm-hmm. Because they really? gave him a big fat paycheck, and he needed money. And then they turned And then it, he denied it. But they he, he turned it into like a semi-confessional I think he thing. agreed to some extent to the confessional nature of it, but like didn't quite... I don't know. He, he says... Who knows who to believe with these things? Whoa. That's do you not like Do you not like making eye contact? No, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, Dude, imagine though, if he did that with a completely different idea of how it was going to go. They told him, like, yeah, just write your account of the story. And he tried to write an honest thing. Mm. I'm giving maybe him too much benefit of the doubt I here. think you probably are. <laughs> I think he's a pretty bad dude. Because regardless yeah, of whether he murdered them or not, he the did case. beat the shit out of her repeatedly. Yeah, is That's that That's not cool. Dude, the cops came to his house so many times with her beaten, and she would never press charges. It was a classic domestic abuse situation. Whenever you read a story that ends... or So whether he murdered or not, he was a dick. He's a bad guy. Bad dude. There's no question. And they Very did the right abusive. thing by putting him in jail for something else. But he's out now. I think they did the right thing, too. He's out walking around here, isn't he? He lives in LA. What's he doing? Have you seen him? No, I don't know. What he's would over you in Brentwood, probably. What would you do if no, you I ran into in OJ? What do you say if you bump into him like in line getting coffee? I just... Nothing. I don't, I don't want to talk to that dude. Really? No. Would you ask for a picture? No. 
Would you take a picture no. surreptitiously? No. Maybe if he was like sitting, I don't know, but no, I, I don't, I don't get anything out of that. Would you? Yeah. I would not ask him for a picture because he seems like a bad guy. Yeah, you know, I, I don't so want a picture no. of myself with a bad guy. I saw a picture of my cousin with uh, our cousin, several of them, yeah. with Richard Nixon. Really? Yeah. After everything happened. And their dad, Steve Kaufman, was kind of in the background like, yeah, cool. We're taking a picture with Richard Nixon. They were like some, somehow they ran into him at like some thing. And walk, like some thing. You know Long what I mean? Like they're not like president. political family or anything. They right. just like, it was one of these. And he was like, you know what? We're going to respect the office. It's kind of still crazy that he's a president. Let's get a picture. But like, it was definitely also like, uh, you know. Yeah. This guy's bad, but. Yeah. But he is the president. Like if you ran into Trump. 15 years from now Mm -hmm. do you take a picture with him Mm, i think he's in some ways a lot worse than richard nixon richard nixon was a bad dude but i don't think he was trying to like destroy america systematically i think he was trying to exploit america i think donald trump is like on a systematic like destruction path don't you think the um it's it's so hard to know another time period. Like one thing that we don't have going on. I right bet the now, upheaval was palpable at that point. Right. And scary. And I bet it's similar to what's going on right now. People feel scared. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people like to say, is it worse now? Was it worse then? It almost doesn't matter. No, it really doesn't. It's very subjective. It like really if doesn't you matter. feel unsafe, it doesn't matter if people yeah. are getting shot. Well, totally. I guess it does if you are the one getting shot. But it's it's equally scary. Whether people are getting shot or if you feel like your life is But, you know, there are people who live wonderful, normal lives in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Mexico yeah. City's cray-cray. But there are a lot of people who are fortunate enough to live wonderful, normal lives, despite the fact that their government is constant upheaval and all that kind of stuff. I just heard recently that violent crime in America has, since like the 1950s, mm. been going straight down. Really? If you looked at it on a chart, it just year after year, just Which is gets funny because we talk so in their seventies, they kind of think of the fifties as like these golden the years, safest time ever. But but you go from and then, not to mention too that a lot of violent crime wasn't even being reported back then because like there was less of a focus on like domestic abuse and less focus on like black lives that matter. Still, just wasn't you know the, what I mean? Also, you like how it kind of turned the movement into like black lives that matter. <laughs> well, there also just wasn't as much media. Media was not as so prolific true. as it is now. So yeah. now, it was if, local there's, media. if there's a crime in Wichita, I know about it in Chattanooga. The same day. We're 25 years ago. That's not even possible. No. Even 25. That was, what was 25 years ago? To 93? Yeah. It's so unlikely. Like I did that math pretty quick? I'm impressed. I don't think I could have done that. I'm impressed. 1923. My seven-year-old It was could. 1923. I didn't even years. attempt. So, uh, this is, I guess we'll do it that way. The first we got a big deal. Dude. Are we going to record this? Is this episode 30? No. Oh, is I think it? this is episode 30. It is. Yeah, it is. <gasps> but, but we didn't even plan it that way. This is episode 30 and a very important episode. We're in the same place. We're not just in the same physical vicinity. We are in rollers right now. I am in Rufus's office looking at the stage of currently looking at the stage for rollers while we record the 30th episode of I Guess We'll Do It That Way. That's epic. Let's it's a take surreal a moment. moment. Let's just sit in that moment for a minimum of 10 more minutes of silence. If I look to my left, there's a stage down and to the left. And if I look to, my, to my right, right, there are mountains out the window. And some beautiful windows. The future green room. We were here with the man... Who is playing Rufus? I can't say his name yet. The paperwork's still being worked on. But the man who is playing Rufus, he's a man. Mm, not a boy. Playing Rufus. 
Not two boys with a trench coat over him? Nope. An Dude, actual man? Have you been watching BoJack Horseman? <laughs> That's one of the greatest running jokes of that show, is she's dating a kid who is standing on some... Two kids. But you never see the kid on the bottom. You only see the, the kid on the top. Right. And he's always got some work problem that he's got to run off for, and he's wearing a trench coat. But... It, but- his work problem is stated as I have a work business type problem. Yeah, exactly. or just the way my son would explain <laughs> yes. business right now. And it's like, why is he dating a Hollywood agent? It yeah. makes absolutely. And how no does sense. she not realize? Because she's dumb. But it's incredible. It's a great runner. bit. It's so good. So we're here, episode thirty. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. We met Rufus. Or I John met Rufus. got to walk through rollers with Rufus Paisley. Yeah, it was bizarre. It was Has a great your guy. mind? Have you picked up the pieces of your brain yet? Well, there's some, there's some twists, you know. There's some twists. The characters, uh, the people playing the characters are now. Twisties. There's a face to a name. Twisty, twisty twist. And now you can picture it because we're in. I'm you in know, the place with the guy. That's a really unusual thing. Mm-hmm. Imagine being, you know, it's 1990 something, and you're walking through Zed's uh, vintage shop mm-hmm. or his collectible shop. And you see shop. the katana on the wall. Yeah, and you're just there with John Travolta, or I guess he's not in that scene, with Bruce Willis mm-hmm. kind of looking around. Now, obviously mm-hmm. it's not Bruce Willis, but it's a similar kind of weird feeling. Like, I've read the script. Willis. I've seen, I have pictured this place in my mind. I've seen pictures of it, but now I'm here with the guy who, mm-hmm. in, a, in a month, or no, two months, mm-hmm. is going to be acting that part. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. It's wild. You know, it's, um, I got to say, it's a little wild for me too, because you're in charge. I am, dude. I'm getting the point. I know I keep harping on this, but it keeps being more true. I am mm. in charge of an astonishing number of people too. I, I'm like, I am not qualified to do this. You know. Well, back up. When did I first meet you? Where did we first meet yesterday? Mm-mm-mm. Oh, we forgot, dude. We were at Stand Sound Post with Greg, Greg Richling and Jonathan Sheldon. In the heart of Hollywood, Sunset Boulevard, two blocks from the Chinese Theater, that's where a post-production facility is going to be. That's where John and I met. And we walk into this big sound stage. We're in like a recording studio. That was surreal, dude. That was surreal for me. There's like a 60-seat theater. I'll post a picture of it. I mean, it's crazy. It was bizarre. You know, you're out, I'm out on the street. I'd never been to Los Angeles before. I'm, it's hot. It's 70 degrees. It's beautiful. Trees are blossoming everywhere. Mm. Uncle Zay opens a, opens a metal door, door out. And he says, uh, hey. And I said, mm. and now you're, in, I mean, it must be kind of surreal for you, though, because weird. you're in. You're not an interloper because you're in this business, mm-hmm. but you are sort of an outside. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't grow up here. Mm-hmm. No, I'm very much new. You're making connections. I'm kind of still like, whoa, this is how it actually works. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in the middle of Hollywood, like on Sunset Boulevard at a studio that I'm going to post up at for th- two months and edit a movie and, like, have people over and, like, screen it for them and show them shit. And, you know? Yeah, I mean... Do you feel it's getting so real? I mean, we're like six weeks away. Do you feel at all? Like, okay, so when I when I came here with you, and we go to the post production place, for instance, right? People think of me, and I sort of introduce this, myself this way: like, yeah, I'm John from Chattanooga. Like, I'm mm. I'm sort of like I'm a bumpkin seeing mm. the sights, you know. And mm. it kind of frees people up in a way. Mm. Like, I'm not I'm impressed by whatever you're doing, right? 
that's sort of the um, mm. the vibe that I want to give off in a sense. Like, yeah. I, this is You're all new to me. Yeah, and I'm not critical. Like, I don't care. Oh, <clears throat> right. you were in a movie? Cool. Like, right. movies are cool. You're that's... chill. You see them as people. Right. I think and I want love to, that. And I think it kind of opens people up in a way because I don't have anything at stake here with you. Like, just tell me what you're doing, you know? I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm not trying to sell you anything. Yeah, I'm not like, can I slip you a script? Right, exactly. Will you, will you record my record? And it kind of frees people well, up. It's like, will you? Will you can, do you know Quincy Jones? Can you tell him I have a song that I think he'd really like to produce? I've got a rock do you opera know Rick about Rubin? trees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's none of that. And it's like if you see a guy in your city who is very obviously a tourist, and mm. he's about to ask you a question. It's so much lower stakes than a guy who looks like he might be homeless or something like that. Because, you know, this exchange is going to be like, hey, can you tell me how to get to Home Depot or whatever that guy asked us earlier on the street? Right. You know, that's going to be a two minute interaction. It's going to be easy. It's going to be fine. So I think you have an advantage in Mm. a way as as an outsider because you're coming in saying, I want to learn this stuff. You don't have Mm. grudges here. You don't have... um, Mm. You don't have something to prove. I never like stole Coke from somebody and then never talked to to them again. Yeah. You didn't go to high school here and you don't have the baggage of any of that potentially. Some girl dated who hates you. Exactly. Like you're afraid to run into That stuff's real actually. Oh, 100%. Especially you think about how many people just bang each other and like all that kind of stuff. And then we were talking about this earlier with Johnny. I was like, man, I hope that we're all still around in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. The, the industry, the number of people who stick around that long, it gets smaller and smaller. So like eventually there's a big industry, but there's not that many people who've been around that long. And so you kind of are always part of this like class almost. It's like mm-hmm. a graduating class. Right. And you see those people. But yeah, if you were all like having sex all the time and like screwing each other over, that would be tricky. There'd there's be a lot so of baggage. baggage. You can see why like there's all these stories of like actors who won't work together. I and, like, cannot work with them. Yeah. That's yeah. what you hear a lot. Yeah. Because we have, there's too much yeah. garbage between us. <laughs> but I guess that happens in every type of work. If, you're working, if you work in an office, there are people that hate each other and yeah, 100%. all that stuff. It's so, just that with that, you can go to a different company. I guess, or switch departments or whatever. Yeah. And this is such an intimate line of work. You, you're making yourself vulnerable yeah. in front of people. I mean, that's, that's intense stuff. Yeah, Doing I mean, sometimes you get naked. Yeah. There's no one getting naked in rollers, but they got to make out. Rufus and Jane have to like passionately suck face on camera, you know, Gross. it's disgusting. It sounds so nasty. I think that the move there, if you're about to have a makeout scene is you go to in and out burger before you get like a spicy habanero burger. Yeah. Then you go to town. Oh yeah. Give them the full experience. I don't know what the etiquette is with that. I'm assuming good breath is part of it. <clears throat> we'll see about that. No, I've been taking Krav Maga. What? Krav Maga. Krav Maga. Krav Maga. Krav Maga. I think it's pronounced Krav Maga. I have not been taking Krav Maga. Krav Maga. What were we just talking about? Krav Maga. Krav Maga. We were talking about Krav Maga. Um, that sounds like a Rick and Morty joke. <laughs> I watched Rick and Morty on the plane. Great show. What does he say? He's like, they're trying to get a ride down the stairs on that one episode, like uh-huh. the big stair world. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it'll be like 42 schmeckles. And he's like, I don't know what a schmeckle's worth. Or they're about to go to Lake Flabanaba. <laughs> Such a good freaking movie, dude, show. Um, no, one thing that's been interesting, though, is that, as I said, things are getting real, hiring sprees, and I'm just, there's just so many departments, dude. I mean, these are the department heads that I'm working with, right? Not just, like, crew, but, like, people who are going to run, in some cases, department of, like, six people, in other cases, department of, like, two people, three people. 
but these are the apartments, right? Yeah. How many people total though do you have? I don't know exactly how many people I have. I put an email list together of everyone involved with the project. Mm -hmm. And again, it's mostly like top line, like department head types, right? There's some crew positions, whatever. But I think the email list is like 20 people right now. That's a lot. I know. And it's only going to get bigger. That's barely any cast. That's barely any like lower level crew positions. That's like, it's a lot of people, dude. That's like producers and like department heads. It's nuts. But yeah, I mean, I've got like all these people who are so stinking smart mm-hmm. and so good at what they do. And I've got like a music supervisor. I've got a compo- These are all like kind of departments effectively. Right. I mean, Ryland is overseeing all the music, but still like, there's several people. There's a composer who I have right. to communicate directly with because mm-hmm. we're writing lyrics, we're writing music that Rufus's band played, we're writing a score. Then I've got like a costume designer whose job is to design every single thing every single person wears in the entire movie. Yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah. Then I've got post production supervisors. But because there's live performance, we're talking about like what gear do we use to amp up the music and then record it. So okay, so then I've got like a costume designer. Yeah. I've got, so I've got the costume designer. I've got, oh dude, so many, um, a production designer that I'm trying to hire. I'm working on, uh, who else? I'm talking to talent, dude. I'm looking at auditions. People are like, this blows my mind that anyone would do this for this movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know this sounds again, falsely humble, but it's still blowing my mind. I'm like, people are like learning scenes. Yeah. And putting themselves on tape doing the scenes because they want to be in the movie. And how many of these do you have? How many have sent? So far only a few, but I'll have a bunch by the end of the weekend. Yeah. And how are they coming to you? Email. But but I mean, how are they even hearing about the script? Everybody's chipping in. Like Ryland's coming up with musicians who he knows Mm. who wants to act. I'm going through different lists and like finding people. We're reaching out to people. We're like digging hard. Yeah. I'm like scouring groups of like musicians in LA and I'm like, Ooh, this person would be perfect. I bet they can act. Let's see if they could and like play this role. And like, you know, you're going to live shows. I'm going to some live shows. I do. I'm doing tons of stuff. Then I've got, so I've got the costume people. I've got the post-production supervisors, which is like a whole thing. And dude, it's wild. Like I was at, we were saying it was at the post house and Jonathan introduced me to somebody. And this was so weirdly like made me feel really good, but it was also like bizarre. He was like talking to some guy that works at stand. Mm hmm. And he was like, this is Isaiah, the director of Rollers. And he was like, oh, cool. And he was like kind of impressed by that. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, he's like excited. And I was like, yeah. what? Like, he shouldn't be that excited about meeting me. But like, he wasn't like jumping over himself. But mm-hmm. that was cool. Because like to him, it was like, oh, this project I've been hearing about. Right. His bosses have been talking it up. I'm like, man, this is so crazy. And then there's like Greta, who's a DP. Like, she's putting together. She's got like, we should talk about crew structure sometime, mm-hmm. maybe even with Tara. That would be really mm-hmm. fun to have her on. So Greta's got the camera department and the lighting department, which are both like three people each at least, which is tiny for a normal, but you know, for this movie, it's obviously small. Um, That's like three people each. (coughs) So they have to like, they have to like hire people who work for them and Mm. so many people, man. And they're all like so talented. It's Mm. insane. And they're working for less than normal. Yeah. It's a big ass. Yeah. Cause they love the movie. Who else, dude? We've got location. We've got, dude, there's so many people. There's somebody making the schedule. There's like an AD making the schedule. She's got a second. Like there's so many people. It's astonishing. So now that I've seen the place, the Ebel Club, yeah. that you're going to film yeah. Rollers in, yeah. 
Which is where you're seeing it now. I have some questions. Okay, hit me. What do you do? So this place is in um, sort of a mixed, there there are shops, there's kind of a drag right, right near us, maybe like less than a block away. Very there cool are, Main Street. There are restaurants and stuff. There's a movie theater. Yep. And it's all occupied. Yeah. There are people living right next to this building. Yeah. And in fact, the guy who has been showing us around, Mike, told a story about playing the drums here. Yeah. And a neighbor came over and asked him to stop. Right. I mean, we're very close to people right. living here. Yeah. What do you do about that when you're filming? Like you, we walked outside and we saw some courtyards and stuff um, that you're going to you're gonna walk through and shoot some stuff outside. But behind you or right next to you, there's a guy's backyard. Yeah. How does that affect you? Well, we got to work around it. I mean, we're currently negotiating, and I mean that term very literally, negotiating with the local film commission and basically being like, Dude, we just found out we have to pay somebody to be on set for the entire movie to what do you just mean? literally stand here and make sure that we aren't like being disruptive. Seriously? Yeah. They stand like a babysitter. Yep. And you have to pay this person for the entire movie. How much money is it? I think it's like $40 an hour. Is this only when cameras are rolling? It's when we're in production. So like 12 hours a day. For the in- like I well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. We're trying to figure out exactly how much, but yeah, it could be that much. Well, when the the actor that's going to play Rufus was here, you guys were ta- you said to him something like, "We've got this for an extra week or so to mm-hmm. do blocking." Well, yeah, that that's going like to be like extra day. No, 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 no. Okay. That, it's just like when we're actually like rolling and have cameras and trucks and okay. all that kind of stuff. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So, but that's still going to be yeah. Weeks. But we're going to get in here during January and like plan stuff out, shot list. It's going to be epic. Are you going to have to bribe this guy or gal? No, but no, but we are going to have to figure out how to make it work. Isn't this one of those abuse of power situations? Like, if, if you had it's this mainly job... mainly because they're protecting the neighbors, and it's like, I get that, but also, like, I don't know if we can film overnight here. Right. Literally, I don't know if we can film overnight. How do you... When do you find that out? How do you find Soon that out? Soon, we're working on it. Oh, so you have to present this to a We're group just of talking people? to them. I mean, that's Tara's specialty. I see. Tara's a wizard with that kind of stuff, but I mean... We got to figure out, like, we got to talk to, like, this county city commissioner type person who represents this area. I mean, like, it's all very bureaucratic at times. But this is kind of a, a feature of living out here, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're shooting stuff all over the city constantly. It is, but, like, they don't like it most most of the time. Uh, and especially this who? neighborhood, they don't love it. The residents. Mm. Understandable. And so, yeah, it's very understandable. I don't love when people are filming on my street. How frequent is that? Not in my new neighborhood. Uh, you heard how often it was at our old house mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Once a month. That's frequent. And they're doing like car Shutting down out. the street. Yeah. Shutting and they have to down. let you through. They have to let you walk through. They have to give you your space. But mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah, it's like loud and yeah, it's weird. So, I mean, we're not going to be like that. Most of this stuff takes place inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then you're fine. But there's still going to be a guy here or a gal here. Yeah. Just babysitting. That's nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. How do you get Especially that job? on a budget like this, dude? Honestly, that's like, uh, I don't know, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, like, I went to I went to Julia. At least it's not a big time union gig because there's like so many people standing around on big time union gigs because yeah. they make you hire people you don't need sometimes because that's part of what the union does is they want their people working. It's a stimulus. Yeah, yeah, it is a stimulus. But so, but dude, part of what's weird about being here, about walking through Johnny, about showing you, about all this stuff getting real. Yeah. Is I can see it. I can see the movie, which is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm also realizing 
we're about to get to the point where this is no longer theoretical. Right. And what if I don't like what I see? What if I don't like the lines when they're in someone else's mouth? Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's going to suck, dude. Well, I mean, that's I would think that that is going to happen because you're going to have actual people mm. delivering these lines and you're going to actually you've seen it in your head. Mm. But when you see it in person in reality, you might say that just doesn't convey what I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. I thought it would, and it did in my head. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm here, and now that I've seen it, I'm probably gonna do a lot of rewriting. I'm a quick writer, so I that's think you'd good. have to. I mean, I think that was just a f- a feature. No, of, I think you're right. Of especially for this movie, where you're not getting, you didn't write the part with Ryan Reynolds in mind. Yeah, and you have Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. You wrote no, it's it not like that. I wrote it with somebody, some, a good actor in mind. A, exactly, and now you have. A good actor, but it's yeah. not general good actor. It's I am a really excited guy. to get into rehearsals, though. Yeah, because a lot of this will get figured out, presumably. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully all of it. I mean, yeah. dude, I want to come into this shoot. Some people come in. It's sort of like, I was just talking about this with a friend, because we were driving past a big-time studio, like the mm-hmm. one we were at, like, but like a big studio. And, I mean, these places are so nice. High ceilings, every instrument, every amp, everything you can imagine, right? That's mm-hmm. part of what you're paying for with these studios couches food you just and do these big bands they just write music in the studio they right. hang out for six months sometimes finding the album little bands have to like the band rufus would be in they have to go in rehearsed they do each take of each song like five times max you know what i mean and then they're just like we got a week we got to like do one song a day and then hope we get it because every hour in that place is very expensive. Exactly, But some people are just like, yeah, I'm going to hang out for three months because right. it's worth it. And so there's a movie version of that. Sometimes people do that. They'll like reshoot stuff. They like mm. rebuild it on, they rewrite it and they change it. And I got to be prepared. I got to go in like the, like, I don't want to shoot here anymore. It's fucking <laughs> sirens. Oh boy. Sirens and stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be a pain. That's somebody's granny going to the hospital though. And it, to you, it's just a temporary. I love annoyance. this. Is the real stuff. This is what's going through director producer Zay's head right now. It's like, damn, I've heard a lot of sirens since we started recording less than an hour ago. I hope this isn't a problem. Yeah, but all I hear is tragedy and heartbreak. Mm. Those each siren so kind represents you, a loss. You're such a lover. <laughs> California's breaking, bringing out the uh, sentimental John. You guys should have heard. Oh, I wish I had recording of you guys should have heard John in the car yesterday. He's like, "Oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful city I've ever been to." It sounded a little bit more like this. Wee! <laughs> He's like, "Oh my gosh!" It was it was quite beautiful, man. We drove through the hills. That really shocked me. Big old mansion just hanging off cliffs. The mansions, but you know, we got a shot of John in front of the Hollywood sign up yeah. in a park, up way up in the hills. Tears in my eyes. Uh, a t-shirt that said, uh, kiss me, I'm famous. Mm. I put my hands on the, uh, Donald Trump stars. Did you? On the, uh, walk of fame. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Inspirational. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Didn't somebody smash that with a sledgehammer? I wouldn't surprise me. Kind of hope they did. They definitely did. That's awesome. Somebody did, and I think they replaced it. You know, one thing people don't know about the walk of stars is it's like the shittiest part of Hollywood. It's Mm -hmm. dingy. Mm -hmm. It's gross. It's, it smells like piss most of the places mm. you walk through. Um, it's really dirty. And there's people dressed up in like fake Iron Man, Spider-Man costumes everywhere. It's similar to Times Square. It's not nice. It's it, Times it, it was the Times Square ago. of L.A. Beca- it, 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 in the sense that even 
it was mostly a ring. It was like prostitution and like strip clubs mm. and porno theaters, the same way Times Square was yeah. for a very long time. That was that's what Hollywood Boulevard was. Mm-hmm. If it you, was very shady. If you want to see that in film, um, what's the name of the movie that Robert De Niro's in? You know, uh, Raging Bull. No, the other one. Casino. Nope. No, no, no. The other uh, movie of that era. You looking at me? Scarface. No. You talking to me? You t- everyone's oh, oh taxi driver. Taxi driver shows Manhattan of that era. Scarface. Scarface. That's Al Pacino. <laughs> Al Pacino. I'm an idiot. But I also I said hate myself. You talk. What did We're I? We're doing say? a film podcast, and I just thought that movie. Of course, it's fucking Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. Thoroughly unqualified. Goodness I mean, gracious. we have proven. We know that. nothing. Thirty episodes have proven how we know absolutely we are. nothing. My even the quote of one of the mo- the one of the most famous you movie quotes in history. I said, "You looking at me?" <laughs> you did say that. You looking at me? It's you talking to me. You talking to me? In the mirror, it's a beautiful scene. Um, but that shows New York of that time. Mm. Times Square oh, is nasty. He it's takes nasty. a girl to a to a porn theater, and oh, it's so awkward. It's one of the most awkward disgusting. scenes ever. Because he he thinks like, he's taking her on an actual date, and it's like his. Oh, he has no concept of what's normal. And like his dad, yeah. his cab, you're like, oh, it's probably like C-U-M all over the back seat. And it's stuff. a bizarre movie. It's disgusting. Really. It's but it does show what New York was like back yeah. then. And you, I, you definitely the LA have a version of that. Uh, you have the L.A. version and it's un, it's not cleaned up. There's guy, We saw guys with the uh, repent now sign walking down the street, mm-hmm. banging a drum, yelling have at people. Have you seen um, The French Connection? Yeah. With, Gene, uh, Hackman. Gene Hackman, yeah. great movie. That's another great, gritty, disgusting New York movie. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful, though. Or out here, though. I kept thinking of Chinatown. Oh, Chinatown's a, an amazing, amazing. We were talking about L.A. movies. We were like, what's if any of you have suggestions, we were saying, what's the most L.A., realistic L.A. movie? Mm. Well, we were like talking- Like time capsule L.A. movie, not like- fantasy la movie we were talking Chinatown's about, a good one um, the long goodbye robert altman's a really really good one but those are all from that's like from the 70s you, you mentioned know? the big lebowski the big lebowski is a good valley movie boogie nights is a good la movie but mm-hmm. again that's kind of like fantasy like heightened mm-hmm. i want to see like but there you know there's a scene in the donut shop you know how many times i've been in a donut shop since i moved here a lot really a lot of times i've been in a donut shop like that there's one across the street from me exact same kind of donut shop that Thankfully, donut. I did not see a lot of people get murdered. Though. Yeah, I was gonna say that that donut shop scene. Spoiler That's alert! Intense. Boogie Nights, great movie, great movie. We've talked about that in relation to your movie. Yeah, tell we us have. how. Well, the opening sequence, you know, like you get this instant feel of of what this place is because you're kind of following him through, and I'm doing a very different thing. But I love those shots when a movie is about a scene. In this movie, Rollers is about a scene. You know, it's about a person. It's about all that stuff, but it's about a scene. You got to figure out how to introduce a lot of people very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I'm working on that. It's in the script now. I think it's going to work, but I want to do a cool shot that's just like amazing. That does well. Bust some like, Do you just are you introduces gonna do... people, shows the space, introduces people, gives a vibe, gives a sense of the history, gives a sense of the lightness and the beauty of the place, but also the grunginess, gives a sense of the music. I want a sense of the relationships between the people, all that within a minute and a half. You know? I want to know in movies. So on the plane over here, like I watched. The actual geography of the place. Go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. When I flew over here, I watched The Death of Stalin on the plane. Oh, yeah. It's a good movie, apparently. Haven't seen it. Of course I haven't. <laughs> As it the, happens. Oh, how much of the movie did you watch? Yeah, then? I watched three quarters Yeah, of exactly. Because well, otherwise like, we wouldn't be talking about it. If you finished it, we would not be talking to about it. To be fair, my plane landed. I wanted to finish it. So you don't know how the movie ends, but you loved it. Well, I know Stalin dies because I know history. 
But other than that, yeah, I didn't finish it. But in the movie, they do a thing that happens frequently in movies where they introduce... So the, the scene is playing out. The, there's a bunch of characters in a room, and the camera will come up to Steve Buscemi, for mm. instance, who's in that movie, and it'll stop on him. Does like, he speak uh, Russian? No, they don't do any accents, mm. which smart. is actually a smart move. Mm-hmm. So Steve Buscemi's out there talking like this, mm. you know, hey, Stalin's out here breaking my balls. Like, I like that. I should watch that because that's kind of what rollers to be. I want it to be like the accents, the, 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 that stuff. That is, that's not the point. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not, they the don't point. even try to cover it up. Like if a guy's British, he has a British accent. I like that. Yeah. But what they do is they show Steve Buscemi in the middle of a conversation and they pause mm. and they show a, a text screen and it you know over top that Mm. says like nikita khrushchev uh minister of defense or whatever you know they introduce Mm. the character and i don't know if i like that well you know it feels like a cheat in um but does it work well it's up to you i mean one thing that we always deal with in movies or at least i always have a problem with it's why i don't like movies that have a lot of cgi on in them cgi in them is um the suspension of disbelief Right, so when you stop the movie to tell me that Steve Buscemi is Nikita Khrushchev or whatever character he is, you're sort of pausing my suspension of disbelief. Right, you're taking and you out of it. It's a it's a gamble. <coughs> Does in, it work? In that movie, it did work, but it, it, you've seen that in movies before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you do something? Would you ever consider something like that? No. To introduce characters? Not, not in this movie. Mm-hmm. No. No, I want to do it visually. I don't want right. to use text to do that. I want to do it visually. I want to show it through interactions between the characters and mm-hmm. the way they walk, the way they talk to each other, the way they talk to each other differently. Mm-hmm. Maddie and Jane talk to each other differently than Maddie and Rufus talk to each other. Yeah. They all have different relationships. It's all, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. What would the, so I was saying, though, I'm, get, I'm not getting nervous, but I am getting, it's getting real. It's sort of like you get engaged and you're like, oh my God, we're going to get married. Mm. And it's very exciting. Then you start wedding planning and you're like, oh, and then a Mm -hmm. lot of the wedding planning is almost done and you're starting to like put deposits on places and you're like, I really better want to. And so I'm like committing to actors. That's scary, dude. What if I don't like them? What if they don't do a good job? Yeah. I mean, you have to fire them or do I make a bad movie? I don't know. Or do I fire them and risk making a worse movie? Your analogy is a weird one because, you know, if you're thinking about it like a marriage, like, yeah, you don't just fire these people. You're sticking it through, yeah. you know? I got to I gotta be a good director. I got to get them there. I got to get performances out of them. Or think of a new analogy. I don't know, dude. It's you're running a business. And in a business, if you have a, an employee who's not performing, you get rid of them. Mm. Right? And but you, that's why I got to choose well. Yeah, you don't want for that shit. Right. You don't want to hire willy-nilly. No. Because you've got one shot. It's intense. How stressed are you? You know, I'm having so much fun. I'm not really that stressed. Is that true? Yeah, I'm having a freaking blast, dude. <laughs> I'm I having a freaking you, blast, but... dude. I'm making a movie. My full time job right now, yeah, is I'm making rollers. Mm-hmm. I'm producing a horror short film, which is shooting at our house in two days, which you will be there for. Yeah, I'm excited. there's going to be special effects. You know, you a, showed an me. old lady's head is going to like. Not explode, that sounds gross, but like she's a monster ghost and like her freaking face is going to like open up into this like monster. It's going to be epic. That's happening this weekend while I'm prepping rollers. I'm producing that. I can't believe it's happening. Also, I had a big old development meeting about a podcast yesterday. Mm. 
This podcast. No, another oh. podcast. Everything is going crazy. Wait, 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 wait. You're, you're doing... Uh... I'm producing another podcast right oh, now. Oh, thanks, man. I guess I'll just show myself yeah, out. Know. Yeah, you, you're no longer needed. All right. Um, we, you showed me last night a vid, uh, a trailer for a short from the same guy that's going to come do the short at your house tomorrow. Yeah. And this doesn't happen very often, but I had to look away. Oh, you did. That's right. (gasps) Your reaction. I wish I was filming. Oh, it was amazing. It upset me. I mean, John left the room. I didn't quite leave. I did. And this was like a funny short. I did. This was a really cool short. I will post a link to it. It's called emptied. And Mackenzie Davis, who a lot of people know from uh, Halt and Catch Fire and a bunch of other stuff, really, really, really great actor. She's in it. And Beck Bennett from SNL. Yeah. Two very well-known people. David made this short with them. It's a dentist, Ugh. and her ex comes and tries to talk to her about the relationship while he's while she's doing work. And it's based on a true story, apparently. And Beck Bennett is the guy from SNL. Beck Bennett's the guy from SNL. Yeah. And he plays and the, she, And he's like, I think I might need to get this molar removed. And she <sighs> pulls all of his teeth out. <sighs> Every single one. And John had to walk away because it was so gruesome. It was gross, It's so man. funny, though. And I but know. Dude, that's the guy making the short. I mean, how cool is that going to be? We're yeah. going to have him on soon because we'll talk about it. Like, we're going to tr- – we'll talk about the whole strategy. We'll talk about why we're doing this, you know, because the idea is to make it into a feature. Well, having it's, – it's weird because Beck Bennett is a guy that I know. You know, I know he's on SNL. I've seen him on stuff. I know he didn't get his teeth pulled out. Right. But you was, know it's fake. I know it's 100% fake. But he convinced fake. you. And it wasn't, I it mean, was it was gross. Disgusting. It is gross Dude, for sure. you missed, you looked away and I'm glad you did. Actually, it might have ruined your night. There's this one part where there's one tooth and she can't get it out gross, and it's like pulling. Gross. You like see the gum like no. pulling. I'm like, who did the special effects for this? Answer to that question, same person as the special effects for the movie we're doing this weekend. I didn't like it. If, if, people, it's don't disgusting. watch this. It's, it's horrifying. That's the best endorsement anyone could ever give. I mean, that's effective though, you know? Um, and Beck Bennett is good, even in the little trailer. You know, he's a he's a good actor, man. And it's kind of brilliant to have a guy like that in there. It makes it creepier, in a way, because you're sort of expecting like, when's the laugh gonna come? I kept thinking, when is this gonna shift into something funny? And it doesn't. Zay was laughing. I think but it's, it's funny he's from a the psycho. beginning. I think it's funny from the beginning. Yeah, because you have psychological problems, my friend. Seeing that was her horrifying. like struggle to like pull a tooth out of his. The other one, John, you're gonna love this one. It's called Nocturnal Years. I already hate it. No, it's you're gonna love it. It's about this guy who dies and then becomes a ghost and possesses an old lady, so that he can continue to be with his girlfriend who he misses, and she figures out that it's him. And they have to like be with each other via other people. It's very strange. This, I'm going to show it to you. It's, it's very funny. A, it's got like special effects. It's so funny. Yeah, but that idea is kind of bizarre because like this guy becomes a ghost yeah. and he's going to possess a body. Mm-hmm. And what? He doesn't have a choice who he can possess. Like, no, he does. That's what's funny. So about why does it. he possess an old well, lady? Well, he figures it out with the old lady, and then he starts to possess other people. Why doesn't he just possess the girl? Then he can really be with her. He's inside of her. Well, because they want to be able to be together vicariously through these people. You'll see the short. I'll show it to you. It's very funny. He's got a feature idea drawn up. I mean, it's hilarious though. This guy, yeah. David. I'm bragging about him, but like. Within 20 seconds, you, you had this experience. Within mm-hmm. 20 seconds, you're like, the music he chooses, the way the camera moves. It's a very good The look. way it looks. It's just like, this guy is style. Mm-hmm. 
David, can you hear me ranting and raving about you? Because I love you so much. This guy's got style. That's why I wanted to produce his short because I was like, within seconds. You know how sometimes you watch stuff within seconds, you're like, ooh, they got to win me over. Mm. And they don't. And then later, maybe they do. In this case, within seconds, you're like, he already won me over. The same way like when you watch Tarantino, the second the movie comes on, you're just like, the fact that he chose that song and used it that way I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I felt like that. I mean, even though the content... Which, to, to, exactly. It was too much for you, yeah. but like, it wouldn't be too much for you if it looked shitty. You would just be like, this is dumb. Yeah, this is dumb. bad. It didn't feel like that. It was like actually affecting me. Um, John puked on me. <laughs> I ruined their their uh, couch. You do have a beautiful home. I should say that, too. Don't talk about my home. Oh, sorry. Um, you have a beautiful Subaru. You took the, me to San Su- Marino? The Subaru Outback. Oh, we went through San Marino. John got his mind blown by San Marino. Yeah. I mean, people, if you haven't been out here, it's December, and it is absolutely verdant. There's Bougainvillea just popping out everywhere. Boobyvalia? Bougainvillea. <laughs> There's Boobyvalia just blooming everywhere. <laughs> so rude. I come out to L.A., and I realize that Zay has become such a crass guy. You've let these people change you. This is Isaiah. Hey, Dr. Nahara, how are you? I'm on the phone. Good. Sorry, one, one second, Dr. Nahara. Dr. Nahara. I'm on the phone with my psychiatrist. Oh, jeez. I'm going to keep the tape rolling. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry about that. Yes, it's been great. Um, I, I mean, yeah, still same, no side effects, no nothing. I mean, it's just, I think it's just been working really well. Yeah. Oh, I got it. Okay. Um, 626-281-1637. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Appreciate it. Yep, bye. Uh, John, was that weird? Was that weird for you? Is that weird for our listeners? (laughs) Are you going to leave that? (laughs) Are you going to leave that in? I'm thinking about it. Let's normalize. Let's normalize antidepressants. Um, John, I was thinking we could, this has been really fun. I, I've been neglecting the mail, John. Do we have mail? We do have mail and I've been neglecting it. I've been ignoring it. It's been piling up. I have three messages though that I think would be fun to talk about. How do you feel about that? I love it. All right, great. Um, I don't know if we'll get through them all, but Dan, you remember Dan, the peacock man. I do. Yeah. Dan, the peacock man from Chattanooga. Dan, the peacock man from Chattanooga says, um, I think this is actually really interesting. Uh, a question that's very relevant right now. He's uh, Dan writes, do you have a strategy for finding team members to hire? Mm. Do you just have a fat Rolodex or how do you make it work? And he says, I'm selfishly asking because I'm looking to do a little hiring myself. Dan, congrats mm. on expanding your business, my brother. Is that for real? He's going to expand his peacock farm? That's what farm? he's saying. Oh, he didn't have a peacock farm. He's an exterminator. Oh, man. Come on. Get that. Get on that peacock. He kills game, bugs. Buddy. Dan hates bugs. Okay. And mice. So he's looking to expand. So he's wondering how we hire, which is what I'm doing right now. How do you hire the right people? Yeah, how do you? You know, here's the thing. Okay. It's, it is about, this is why it helps to sort of come up through the system. Because you meet people, you work with people, and you're mm-hmm. like, you know, you work as assistants. And then, you, you know, and I didn't do that as much. So, like, I'm still meeting people. But it is people right. that I've worked with on, like, various productions, movies we produced. Mm-hmm. Tara, um... That's part of the reason you get a great producer on board because Tara knows so many people. Right. Tara does have a fat Rolodex and she's like, let's call this person. They're amazing. 
I meet them, I interview them, I interview three, four other people sometimes. And then I'm like, you know what? I think this is the person I'm going to jive with, you know, and, and we make it work. Tell me about a recent, um... but you know, sometimes like, well, real quick, sorry. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'll call people and I'll be like, yo, who's your favorite person you've ever worked with? Right. Tell me who they are and I'll call them and we'll meet up. Okay. So if you meet up with one of these people. You're looking for like a composer, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Not an actor, but somebody who's going to be in the movie in a peripheral way. I mean, but composers are pretty important. Yeah, it's very important. They're not going to be on screen, yeah. but yeah, very important. You you guys go out to get coffee together. Mm-hmm. You sit down with the guy or gal. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? You know, uh, it depends. I like I like to... You know, I really like to hear people's stories, where they came from, mm-hmm. why they're working in the industry, how they started working in the industry. Um, I, you know, I think an important question when you're making a movie is I, I want to know, never because there's a right or wrong answer, but I want to know, uh, wh- wh- like, what's the movie that they wish they had made? You know, what's the movie recently or, or old that they saw where they were like, whoa, if I could be involved with a movie that's that like that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily even in subject, ma- subject matter, but like if I could be in a movie that hits those marks, that, that reaches that level of awesomeness. I want to know what's in their head. Like what, what kind of movies do they want to make? You know? What kind of answers have you gotten to that question? Um, you know, they vary, but I'm trying to think of some specific ones. Um, I forget. I don't know. I've been talking to so many people. I can't like, you know, some people did say Big Lebowski. I've heard mm. that. Some Wes Anderson movies came up, which I took like the World Ten of Moms, which mm. I'm like, hell yeah. Mm. Um, you know, people like that. You ever see uh, actors freaking out on sets, like behind the scenes mm-hmm. footage of actors going absolutely yeah, crazy? It's kind of sad. It's kind of insane. It's, it's, it's totally insane. What do you do as a director producer if you're a month into this? Mm. And people start losing it. I got to take care of that shit. I would, I would hope that I'm a good enough producer director. We, you know, we've been talking about this conflict resolution, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I have committed, and I'm telling like even just every single person, I'm like, I need you to know if you're gonna be on this team that like we on in this movie, you know, it's like company culture. Like this movie, we don't gossip about each other. Mm-hmm. And if I hear you gossiping, I'm going to put you in a room with the person you're gossiping about. and We're going to talk about it. That's the way I want to start like handling conflict resolution. That's intense. Yeah. But I'm like that. You have to do that or else people it's hard, man. Yeah. We're living together for like two months. Right. That can um, get so hairy. Yeah. But if you deal with conflict, you end up becoming friends, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Or if we don't, but that's part of the reason I got to hire people and I got to like, be direct with them. But you also have to assume a lot of these people are just, they're professionals. And that's, so they're, they're professionals yeah. and that's why you get recommendations mm-hmm. because people are like, they're the best. And like, no matter a, how hairy it gets, you can always trust that they're going to be like real and do some cool stuff. And, and there is like sort of good. an inherent vetting process in this industry, it seems like. Oh Everybody yeah. Everybody is constantly oh, vouching yes. or checking references, right? Because it's not that big of a world. So right. if you, if you screw people over, that word is going to get around quick. Right. Um, and people won't recommend you. They might not even, there's not even like a list of things where you can be like, what do people think? But they just won't recommend you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm committed to that and it's a little weird and it's not like, I don't make it sound like there's been a ton of conflict already, but my point is like, we're all negotiating with each other constantly because right. like we all have our own priorities and I need it to be that way. Like mm-hmm. I need people to worry about their department more than every other department because it's my job to figure out how to blend them all together. But I need them to champion their needs 
in a way that's very respectful of what the production needs. Mm-hmm. But I need them to be real champions of their needs. I don't need them to anticipate everybody else's problems. Because this, otherwise they're going to preemptively, you know what I'm saying? There's a push and a pull in the corporate world like this. Like when you, you know, I worked at an insurance company for a while and your manager, you can always tell the way they talk to you. And stuff, there's always a push and a pull where he wants to placate you and he wants to placate his bosses. And that's almost his job. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is his job, really. That is quite literally his job. Yeah. He's, he's bridging the gaps between these two worlds. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know this stuff sucks and I'm going to help you guys. And also to his boss, he's like, I know they're not doing as much as they could, and I'm going to... Dude, that's 100% how this works. And I've even had conversations with Tara Mm -hmm. where I've said, Tara, I need to side with my crew. I need you to be the bad guy. And Tara's like, yep, I'm I'm the bad... I am bad cop when I need to be. You guys are not even shooting yet, and this is already happening? Mm -hmm. All the time. About what type of issues? For instance, like if some department thinks that they need more money and we're having these conversations. If some department thinks that they need more money for some piece of equipment or mm-hmm. some to buy some piece of something, mm. um, I have to get on the same page with them creatively and be, be able to say, um, Frankie, there's no one on the set named Frankie. So that's why I picked that. But like, Hey Frankie, um, I believe that we need to do that. See what you can get from Tara. And Tara has to be the person that negotiates that more so than me because I need to not be constantly stuck in the weeds. So, like, Tara negotiates all of our crew contracts for right. me. I'm more than capable of negotiating with crew, but it makes sense for her to do it as my representative so that she can... And not that everyone's going to love Tara. Tara's... But, like, they have a different relationship than we have. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's... And it's essential to set that up. And, and so I've told Tara, I'm like, I'm like, Tara, like, you and I can talk privately about what we are going to do to like placate each other to some extent. But like, I always am. And she's even said this preemptively in other ways. She's Mm -hmm. like, you need to side with the crew. I will handle myself. Like you side with the crew, throw me under the bus when you need to basically like I will fall on swords for you. If it means that you save face with crew, because that's so important. So like when I'm so like, I need to unify creatively. I'm still, I still have my producer hat on right now. So mm-hmm. I still end up doing some of that like logistical negotiation, but pretty soon I'm taking my producer hat off. Right. And I'm the director and it's Tara's job. And we've had this conversation a million times. It's Tara's job to like present me options. And when I say like, I need more time, um, it's not my job to worry about whether that's financially feasible or not. It's my mm-hmm. job to figure out why I need more time and her job to tell me how much time she can get me. Right. And then my job to figure out how to compromise with the amount of time that she gives me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, but that's the thing is like pre-production to me, the, the best way, cause that's what we're entering. You know, we've left development now we're mm-hmm. now in pre-production pre-production. I think the goal, if I had to sum up the goal of pre-production, it's not as simple as just like get the locations ironed out, get the shot list, get all the people hired. Mm -hmm. The goal of pre-production to me, this is a way to define it is to get everyone making the same movie. Number one, most important thing, which sounds easy, but it's not because the script is not the movie we're making. That's the blueprint for the movie we're making. You know what I mean? So I got to constantly communicate the vision to every single person and make sure that we're making the same movie. And some of that is logistical. How specific do you get with people? Like I've heard a little bit in phone calls and the conversation today with Johnny, but how specific do you get with people? Remember to edit out Johnny. We'll just beep it. It's fine. 
How specific do you get with people about your vision? Like when we were talking to that actor that was here today, mm-hmm. I heard a little bit of it. I get but, very specific. Yeah. I get really specific. Like I'm coming up with like a, 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 a I mean, yeah, I'll just talk about it. I'm working with my costume designer right now. Mm-hmm. We're like, what do people wear? And, and then we kind of realize like, you know, we don't need to decide what they're wearing yet. We need to come up with like the story of the costumes. Right. And I've been playing with these colors and she looked at this mock-up poster that I designed and I was like, I love the way that these colors play together. I was like, what is it that unifies them? And she's like, that's like the sunset. Mm. You know, those colors are like the sunset. You know, it starts bright and then it gets, it's, it's like yellows and oranges. Mm-hmm. No green necessarily, but like some yellows and oranges and that kind of thing. Right. And then it kind of gets a little more red and orange. And then eventually it's a little more pink, red, and orange. Right. And then it's kind of a little more like purple and blue and, or, and red. Like deeper red. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The sun gets, especially around here, you get these pink, purple, weird ass sunsets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because of the smog and the ocean and the marine layer and it's beautiful. And then eventually it's like dark blue and purple. You know what I mean? And then it's just like night. And I want this like, because the sun is, feels like it's setting on this place. Mm-hmm. Rollers. Yeah. I'm like, what if the f- costumes follow the progression of that color scheme? getting deep right wouldn't that be cool and so then we start with that and then we start being like okay this is a piece and they're all going to wear different shades and all that kind of stuff but like this is a piece that rufus would wear and like we build an ensemble right Mm. Mm. ensemble so that's the kind of conversation i'm having with 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 Susie. but Mm. then the next step is going to be she's going to like literally show me a jacket and be like do you want this or this which jacket do you want and I'm going to be like, I don't like either of them. Let's start over. Maybe he's not wearing a jacket. Maybe he's wearing a t-shirt. I'm going to get very specific, but that's just costumes. Maybe he's in a duck costume. Like right now, dude, I'm shopping. I got to find Rufus's guitar. This is a very important prop in the movie. Is this mm. guitar that means so much to him. I got to pick what guitar he's going to play. Are you going to go out and buy a guitar? I think so. Because we've been talking to Fender and it's possible that Fender could end up sponsoring the movie, but there's also still part of me that's like, I want like a real guitar, like a used guitar, like one right. that has history. Mm. And then yeah, I'm going to keep that I mean, shit as like a souvenir. According, <laughs> according to, well, go to a, like a vintage shop. Uh, that's what I'm planning on doing, but yeah, I like can still pick one. Yeah, right. It's got to sound good. It's got to look good. Does it have to sound good or do you dub this stuff? I want it to sound good. But will you dub it? You know what I mean? Like, mm, does the actor no. know how to play guitar? Yeah, Is he knows he a little bit. He's not, he's not proficient necessarily, but he knows how to play a little. So when you make the film and, you, and you're recording... He doesn't stuff, play a lot on screen, though. Okay. But if he does even for a second, mm-hmm. say... just He it, plays plenty for that. Just from the technical side, will you... You'll Obviously, you record audio live, but then yeah. will you go in and dub that part? Probably, it depends on which parts. There's parts we will, there's parts we won't. And what it sounds like, mm-hmm. and yeah, okay. I just don't know if that's standard practice. It's, like we talked Everything's going to be a mix. Like, there are going to be times where you use a different door closing. You know, mm-hmm. a door right. close, and we'll hear the real door sometimes, we'll hear a fake door sometimes. Right. It's all that kind of stuff. In that studio, the stand that we went to, mm-hmm. they had an entire section to do Foley. ADR. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We walked in into the soundstage, and there was a bunch of, there was a mat and a tarp, mm-hmm. and then there was a bunch of dirt, and some dried leaves, and like literally 12 different pairs of shoes. Yeah. And like then there was some gravel, and literally a mic pointed at it, right? Yeah. It was so cool. And they were like, I was assuming, I mean, I didn't see them doing it, but like they've got these different ground materials, and they're like, 
doing like putting the boots on the grass and like making grass sounds. I to mean, it was sound effects wild. for TV shows yeah. and films. It's very cool. It was I mean, so cool. Again, just a whole industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of an industry that and there's experts that you don't really think about. Yeah, but that that's this guy's living. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was cool to see that. Um, in fact, I just saw a video on Instagram of a guy who makes his living that way. They were showing how he breaks. He does sound effects for like breaking bones. He had a bunch of celery and he would just like snap it real Whoa. quick and it made this very cool sound like breaking and bones. people sell that stuff because that's it's really his, hard to do it and that's often his whole life yeah it's stuff you don't think of like um i think it was like the matrix or something mm. the bullets that they were like mm. they would like hit like a, a tension metal wire and then record it in slow motion and then warp it but yeah. it's never just like go record a gun going off. It's like no, no, no. That's not how. It's so much more. It's so much more impressionistic than that. Another great one is the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. It's like how many different animals a or something? Bunch, like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Distorted but they together. Sound amazing. It sounds amazing. They invented the way a dinosaur sounds. People yeah. don't give people like Steven Spielberg enough credit for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like the modern look and feel of a dinosaur was invented. The Velociraptor is an invented creature. No. Yeah. What do you mean? The Velociraptor, as we know it, is not a historical creature. Is that true? Yeah. I thought. I think it's real. I don't think so. We'll look it up. Let's we'll find, find out. out. I'm almost positive. That's all accurate. There stuff. are things that are like it, but I'm pretty sure they're very different. We'll look it up. This says they lived approximately 75 to 71 million years ago during the latter part of the Cretaceous period. Two species are currently recognized. So they say it's real, but oh no! In this case, these were fifteen to thirty-three pounds. Oh, that's that's tiny. the historical weight that they think a Velociraptor was fifteen to thirty-three pounds. They made these things what weigh like four hundred? They're big. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah, they're huge. So that's what I think they fictionalized. But they're I like, see. how okay. terrifying is that? Right. Well, it's a much better <laughs> visual. Yeah, but my point is, they created that. They they created the like no. No, I can't do it. How do you? The sound of that thing tapping on metal in that yeah. scene where he's chasing the kids. Yeah, it's amazing. That's, that movie is very good. I watched it. Like I that watched that stuff? movie with my son. Um, oh, John. Of course you did. The movie's terrifying. What were it's you pretty scary, but it's so good. And it's, You're you know, insane. It's, it's so. You're an absolute nut job. It's so fictionalized, oh, right? Like, my son's not going dis- to come across a dinosaur. All right, you know, you know what's fun, actually? I got to hmm. go right this second because I have a call with a, a, a potential actor. So, Are you serious? Yeah. No, I'm like, they're like all in the conference around, and I'm like, I'm just not on it because I forgot. You this know? is Hollywood problems. Yeah, so um, we're going to go. We're going to go. Yeah, this is it. This is the end of the episode. Oh, my goodness. How long have we been talking for? Long enough. Okay. Yeah. All right, bye. Great to see you. What a gosh turn, Hoot. Man, that was fun. That really was fun. We've got another bonus episode actually coming out this Friday. Uh, we did a little recap. There's lots going on. We shot a short film at my house. John co-produced it with me. Very exciting stuff. This week's show was produced and edited by Uncle Johnny Bear and me, Isaiah Smallman. Opening music is The Get Down by Summer Dregs. Closing music is The Man From Nowhere by Tom Paulus and Max Bells. This has been a production of Mama Bear Studios.
It's your boy.